Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome to Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, April 22nd, 2010, with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. This is Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com, and I will be Mr. Carter's co-host for this segment. Black Wall Street USA is on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. CBBN Talk on Blog Talk Radio, which is the show that I host, will be returning to the air on Tuesday, May 4th, with a show that is very dear and uh, near to my heart, and that is Jobs, Training, and Services for Youth. So join us on Tuesday, that's May 4th, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. for information that you can use as it relates to the 16- and 25-year-old age group, our very high risk age group. We look forward to having some great organizations coming out with some great programs for those upcoming shows. We want to thank you for being here today and for sharing in this opportunity to serve African-American businesses across the nation by calling in and being part of the solution. We appreciate all of you who listen to us live and those who check us out later in the week by listening to our recorded shows. You can visit our show page at www.blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn and simply click on the show link and you can listen to any of our shows and you can listen to all of our shows right here online. Don't forget to pass our show links on to your friends. That is how we grow. That is how you grow. That is how we get this information out. And if you have a blog talk radio account, Take the time right now and make us a favorite show and listen to us every Tuesday and Thursday. Our caller number is 347 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one. You must press the number one if you would like to speak to our guest or if you have a comment for our host. You may wish to listen to us on blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. You don't have to listen to us on the telephone. You can go right to the website, click on the link, and listen to us for the full two hours. Our topic this evening is, it's hot, people. It's hot. Black leadership. Is this the best that we could do? We had a lot of comments about this topic this week. We're very excited. We're going to have some great feedback. When I presented this topic for tonight's show to Mr. Carter's question to me was, what does that have to do with business? Because you know that Black Wall Street is a nonprofit, but it's business-oriented. And I, I, I simply felt that the question needed to be asked, and I asked it, and I thought that Black Wall Street USA should be the one to ask the question. So as I prepared for the show, I reflected a little bit more on the topic. I'm a product of Chicago's public school, so is Ron Carter. Now, there are exceptional teachers in this school system. We all know them. And there are exceptional administrators. We know them. As a matter of fact, we met one of those administrators over at the Southeast Chamber of Commerce annual breakfast this past Tuesday held at Chicago's Vocational Career Academy on 87th Street in Chicago. Ms. Marie Chambers Miles is the principal over there an example of an exceptional administrator. And I might add that Mr. Carter was the keynote speaker for that event, and we want to extend our thanks to them and the culinary students who prepared the meal 
who served us breakfast. It was simply an excellent event. We want to applaud Angie Williams, a member of Black Wall Street Chicago and executive director of Southeast Chamber of Commerce for doing a fine job in putting that event together. I just want to get that out, want to share that with you. Back to the topic, black leadership. Is this the best that we can do? In the midst of all the efforts that are put out there by most teachers and by most administrators, there is something in the way, something very much in the way, and that is the politics of education. Now, this is my position. This is not the position of Ron Carter, Blog Talk Radio, Sonia Perdue. Now, uh, it's the same way in the business community. So for me, it is a very important question. Black leadership, is this the best that we could do? Who is in the way of our progress and who is actually lending a hand to our collective efforts? Mark Allen, currently associate editor of the South Street Journal newspaper, will be joining us this evening. Mark Allen authors a weekly column analyzing the collective agenda of black leadership, and with more than 30 years as a community activist, we felt that he may well be able to answer that question. I'm going to tell you what really led to this. I pulled this quote off of Mark Allen's Facebook, and then that's all you have to do is give me an ID, and I was on my way. Mark states on his Facebook page, I believe that black leadership has done the best that it can do, but it's not the best that can be done. What do you think? Tell us what you think. Call in at 347-326-9477, and we want you to be part of the solution. Let's welcome our host, Mr. Ron Carter, to the show. How are you this evening, Ron? Sonia, how you doing, my dear? I'm doing great. Right, um, yeah, you definitely kicked it off with this heck of a question, I must admit. It's um, it's a real profound question and one that we definitely have to address continuous and continuously as we get it right. Absolutely. You're tuned in to Black Wall Street USA with Ron Carter and Sonia Perdue. Uh, call in numbers 347-326-9477. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Ron, let's do a little recap of what's happening in Chicago with Black Wall Street and Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com. First, uh, Black Wall Street Chicago will host the reception that leads up to the Economic Summit 12, and that's scheduled for Friday, April 13th, and that will be held at the offices of the South Street Journal located at 449 East 35th Street. Ron, tell our listeners what they can expect at a reception at a uh, Black Wall Street reception? Well, um, it, it's basically a fundraiser. It is a fundraiser. Partially of that fundraiser is uh, one of the good things that we that came out of the efforts of members of Black Wall Street is that as we designated uh, 75th Street as a Black Wall Street district, we are on our way of opening up an office on 75th Street. And part of the fundraising for our reception, which we have prior to every uh, summit, is to uh, have that uh, greet and meet reception prior to taking care of the business. And this here reception will be um, an event to help raise uh, funds to open up our office and at the same time, we're going to help guests. We're going to help people 
that are representing each of the four districts, Black Wall Street districts here in Chicago from 75th Street, uh, Madison Street, Stony Island, uh, 75th Street, and also uh, one in the Bronzeville community. So this has given us a lot of work as we uh, prepare to uh, raise funds, but at the same time, we're looking at um, having a nice, enjoyable time like we always do. And so we get together, we network, we uh, share ideas, and uh, we have fun. Uh, yeah, there will be spirits there, uh, the other kind of spirits, not just the spirit of we're doing this in the name of Black Wall Street, but we're also doing this with some spirits that we indulge in as well. So it's going to be a, a, a real good uh, reception, like it always be. And uh, there will be a, a wine sip from one of our members, Jan Lindsay. Uh, we will have a representative from CAPS that's going to be talking about labor for the uh, businesses. Um, and we're going to just enjoy that whole evening prior to taking care of business for our summit on May 22nd of uh, of this year. So we're feeling good about it. Uh we do want people to come out to support us to uh make their contributions with their activism and what we're doing as well as their dollars so that we continue to work on Black Wall Street. So we're feeling good about it. This is our 12th summit, meaning that this is our 12th reception. So we have a good base to work from, but we definitely want others to come and be a part uh, next Friday at 7 p.m. here at the Black Wall Street, South Street Journal office at 449 East 35th Street. So it's looking good, Sonia. It is It is certainly looking good. And uh, you need to come back and see the art on the uh, South Street Journal office walls and some of that will be auctioned off so come on back it's a it's a full night people believe me it is a full night of uh, activity and people don't even want to leave at midnight but you you're gonna uh we're gonna close the door pretty soon <laughs> we're gonna close the door <laughs> but uh they they hang over they hang over believe me now rod this is all leading up to the summit 13 the 13th summer which we which will be held at Holman square here in chicago on may 22nd we're going to keep you updated on those details for that summit but just briefly ron just very briefly for our first time listeners what uh does a summit entail well, we had a letter to the editor of South Street Journal that really set the pace of what it's about. People come to a summit thinking they're going to be coming to a seminar, thinking they're going to be coming to a conference, think they're coming to workshops. But when you get there, it's more like a United Nations of organizations passing resolutions, passing motions, debating about where we should go, what have we done, what we need to do, and the status of the the business community, particularly the black community. We have an overview of where the city is at. Um, one of our leaders, Harold Lucas, will be there giving a big picture of uh, Chicago, and then we will be addressing our districts, and we will be addressing black contractors in in the neighborhood, so there's going to be approximately about uh, six or seven agenda items, but along with those six or seven agenda items, there's also a a session in the 
at the summit where what we don't have on the agenda, we will have open dialogue so people can make uh, resolutions on what we have not dis uh, discussed. And this here is also a prelude to Summit 13, which will be August. So as we focus in on the uh, Black Wall Street uh, Chicago agenda, we're, this is a prelude to our national summit that's going to be in August of August 20th to the 23rd of this year. So we're setting the stage at this particular summit on how we're going to push a black Wall Street agenda throughout the nation. That so it's going to great. be intense. It's, going to, it's always intense. It always is. <laughs> uh, yes, it's always intense. And that's the spirit of the uh, summit opposed to just having a conference and a uh, convention, so to speak. Great, Ron. Thank you for that summation. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with our host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. We have quite a few people in the chat room. We want to thank you for visiting us this evening. If you would like for us to bring you on the air, please press the number one, and we'll be happy to listen to your uh, question or comment. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Ron, let's go to a break, and we'll come right back with our guest, Mr. Mark Allen. You got it. We support organizations like Partners in Community Building, Inc., as they contribute to building up our communities by enriching the lives of others. Partners in Community Building is a nonprofit organization and there is no charge for their services. PICB is a HUD certified counseling agency and here are just a few of the services available to you in the Chicagoland area. Foreclosure prevention, there is no charge for this service. Winterization, who doesn't need their home winterized? CETA Energy Assistance and Furnace Programs. Even if you are paying your electric and gas bill on time, you may still qualify for assistance from CETA. Home ownership counseling is available as well as rental assistance referrals. Partners in Community Building is located at 3424 South State Street in Chicago. For additional information and to schedule an appointment, contact PICB at 312-328-0873. Call 312-328-0873 for all of your housing needs. Ms. Bobby Ball is the Executive Director of Partners in Community Building, Inc. Tell her you heard about it on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. So fine, I can wine and dine. 
are back and you're tuned in to Black Wall Street USA with Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago as our host. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com. Join us today and touch the world. That was Carolyn Walden. I put the woo in woman. Her manager, Curtis Davis, is a member of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com, and we want to thank Curtis for giving us permission to play Ms. Walden's song here on Black Wall Street USA. Let's welcome our host back, Mr. Ron Carter. And, Mr. Carter, can you introduce our first guest? Well, how do one start to uh, to introduce not only a friend, a business partner, and a person that has been instrumental in moving the uh, the black movement for the past thirty years, sometimes being a thorn in somebody's uh, neck, but at the same time, it's like pulling a thorn out of the lion's uh, paw to make them become a gentle giant. Uh, with the long agenda that Mark has, uh, as we have been associated with each other for such a long time, it gives me a great honor to induce, uh, to introduce uh, my colleague, my friend, business partner, Mr. Mark Allen. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you all so much for having me on on the show. Great. Yes, Mark. With, uh, first of all, let us get a feel for who you are. Um, I mean, I'll turn this around based on your long history being in the movement and being an activist and with all the um, uh, the remarks from the President of the United States calling you one of the uh, dynamic organizers in Chicago to Reverend L. Sharpton naming you a, a key figure in the next uh, generation of leadership. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, would you be on 79th and hosted, or what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you do? <laughs> well, number one, I think that 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 what, what I do. I and hosted here to, to ourselves there. Go ahead. <laughs> well, number one is you know, seven and hosted is where I grew up, and 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 one of the things I prided myself on, no matter no matter what I've been blessed to do in life in terms of success. You know, it's almost like the Jacksons are so. 2300 Jackson Street is always home. No matter what I do in life, 79th and Halstead is always home to me. So so whether I was there just being an average ordinary citizen or being there as as somebody who's been a little bit noted, but but I'm always home because uh, that's one of the challenges that we face is that a lot of people move on in life and somehow get amnesia uh, in terms of where they come from and the need to uh, move forward but never never leaving the base of what home is, and so that's part of our challenge uh, as we move forward in terms of where leadership should be going, and not just where leadership itself should be going, but where our people uh, play a role in, in, in not just watching from the sidelines, but getting in the game. And so uh, so for 37 years, uh, it was on 79th and Halstead when I was 11 years old that my father took me to Dr. King's workshop. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is that, uh, I mean, uh, the Rainbow Push Coalition headquarters today on 5th and Drexel, that's the legacy of the Reverend Jesse Jackson. But on 79th and Halstead, that was the last part of the legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That was his Chicago headquarters for SCLC, Operation Breadbasket. So a lot of history uh, was made on that corner in terms of our people, and we walk right by it every day. But but ever since I joined there at 11 years old, 
uh, I've never got out of the movement. It's just been a part of me uh, for now 37-some years. So, you know, God has blessed me to be in, involved early enough to have watched how our people collectively move forward. And I've been here to watch how we've uh, uh, come down. And, and, and grace be to God, I'm still here to look at how we move right back up to where we belong uh, as a people. And that requires uh, uh, some more serious truth speaking to power. And more so than that, for those people listening, it ain't just about the leadership. But I got something for you to do, too. So this is not about just what should the leadership do, but there's leadership in all of us. That that, that 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 we've been missing and we've been disconnected, and now is the time through your radio program and others to be, to connect these dots so we can begin to see the big picture where we belong. Well, taking uh, a look at the big picture and especially looking at the uh, the big picture, how Chicago not only is it the uh, the center of the United States, it also is the center of black leadership based on Naturally, the President of the United States is from Chicago. Uh, Reverend uh, uh, Jesse Jackson is from Chicago. Minister Louis Farrakhan is from Chicago. And uh, Reverend L. Sharpton is, have uh, proclaimed to start his uh, national agenda, kicking it off in Chicago. So with Chicago being the center of, 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 of leadership, how do you, uh, uh, I guess, get a grip on is leadership is the, the best that we can do or is it all we can do? What is it that you see that needs to come from Chicago given the historical problems even if it relates to Mayor Daley controlling the leadership, taking for an example that he had a major influence in uh, Barack Obama um, becoming president, even if it's behind the doors, he has had a a a a, a relationship with Louis Farrakhan. Uh, he do have a relationship with uh, even Jesse Jackson. So, how do we get a grip on uh, leadership? Is it the best we can do, or is that it? <laughs> No, I think, you know, you just hit something on the head. Because to, to some people, you have to imagine. Can you imagine? Think it for a moment. We live in this city that, 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 that houses the Reverend Jesse Jackson, Minister Louis Farrakhan, the biggest black talk show host, the biggest black news publication, uh, uh, the, the biggest black elected officials, the biggest black churches, I mean, the, the biggest black athletes, and the biggest black consumer dollars. And with all that power, we can't get 10% of black contracts for our people. With all that power, our people are dying in the streets before our eyes, and we seem like we're just stymied. And you would just think that with this kind of leadership on paper, we should be leading the country in terms of, of having a much better uh, economic condition uh, for our people. And it's almost shameful to have the why kind of that, power though? that we why, have. Why would, you, why would you say that that is the case based on the leadership that do come from Chicago? Why is it well, that we're not where you say that we should be? Well, one, because as we progressed as a people, you know, when you look at other people, have, have they have uh, moved on and, and, and spread out in terms of integration uh, and, and so forth, not only they moved out, 
But those other ethnic groups never lost a sense of their home community. But when it came down to black people, when we started achieving, we moved up and moved out and never, ever came back. And, 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 and that was uh, the problem uh, we lost sight of as we were moving forward, moving up. We forgot to, 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 to connect to the ground. So a lot of black folks moved all over the place, and when they got in trouble, they was up in the air with no place to land. And, and, and so now uh, we're, we're looking at the fact that we've got to go back and reconnect the people in the air who just out there floating around saying, I'm somebody, I'm somewhere. But as they, get, as they face challenges in terms of their jobs and economics and housing and so forth, they look back and don't see no base. And so now they have to start so I'm saying now people, people are looking back and, and, and seeing that we got to go back and reconnect with the foundation that got us here in the first place, and, and, and that's the challenge that we face right now. Well, you have been at uh, two recent, um, i say, national events. You just got back from uh, New York uh, attending Reverend Sharpton's National Action Organization convention, and I believe that you were at the uh, uh, Smiley's uh, Black Agenda meeting that was held here in Chicago maybe about two and a half weeks ago. With those two events that have recently happened addressing uh, leadership to a great extent, what is your assessment of those two uh, events? Well, I think one, to some degree, and if uh, you, one you of can the give a give a, a, a kind of outline of who was at each one of them. To well, I think one, Travis Smiley hosted an event uh, in Chicago uh, with, with national black leadership, asking the question: Was there still a need for a black agenda uh, uh, in the era of Obama's presidency? Uh, which is a valid question. I think we answered it, uh, uh, and, and, and we talked about it. Uh, Reverend Shopton, uh, in terms of his leadership, brought another question to the table in terms of when we start moving on these agendas, it's time to put a measuring stick uh, to what we want to see, when we want to see it. And, and it's almost like somebody fighting for affordable housing, but at the end of the campaign, realizing that they never defined what affordable was. And so what we begin to learn is, so while Tabitha Smiley's event did a, did a lot of talking regarding the need, we proved that. But the thing is, is that uh, 3,000 people rallied at the Tabitha Smiley Summit on a Saturday, but then by Monday, it didn't increase any activity in the street to enforce the agenda. So, so we got caught up in what Dr. King called a paralysis of analysis, where we analyze this, we analyze that, we analyze the analysis of the analysis, and we analyze so much that nobody breaks away from the analysis to actually go and achieve what it is we've been talking about. And so then when we moved on to Reverend Sharpton's uh, summit, then he convened a whole uh, number of, uh, of national uh, leaders uh, in New York, but now the difference in his agenda was we actually spent time saying we've talked enough about the need. Now let's put on the table what does this mean in terms of concrete agenda items that we can measure in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and see if it's bringing about the success that we're supposed to bring back for our people. So I was glad to be a part of both of them because both of those are two important dots. But now what's more important than all of that to our listeners around the country, here's the real deal. Are you just watching what we do in terms of setting an agenda and hoping that some pie falls off the sky? Or are you getting off the sideline and finding your role 
in this in this uh, uh, process, and so that's the challenge that we that we face right now in terms of, of of where we fit in. So many people are watching what we're doing, wondering what we're doing, analyzing what we're doing, but haven't decided where they are. And see, and that's what we're missing as a people, because during the '60s, moving everything else, when leadership said we need to go do issue A. They didn't do it by themselves. They had thousands of our people in the streets with them. Now we've gotten to a point that people think they can just tweet and text their way through a movement, and it ain't going to happen. You have the the, um, situation, and uh, this is one uh, situation that we we always kind of pound on, and that was uh, the leadership versus the community will as the election of Harold uh, Washington, where leadership, for the most part, was not on top of that movement to elect Harold Washington, uh, and the leadership uh, eventually came aboard to help support Harold Washington. Do you think that there is uh, an absence of people directing leadership, or is it more of people waiting for leadership? Or how do we combine, or does one take presidency over the other? Leadership versus... I think what has happened is that a lot of people at the grassroots level, uh, some people have gotten lazy, they've gotten apathetic. See, before we got into, you think about it, Dr. King and everybody led a movement and didn't have a fax machine. Didn't have an email. Didn't have a text and Twitter and Facebook. People had people were forced because we didn't have all this technology. You had to go to the meeting because you had to go see somebody. You had to get involved in something because you saw your interest in it. Too many people today think that I can just Facebook and tweet my way to uh, 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 achievement. It ain't going to happen. And, and, and I think that what's happening now is too many people are just watching and they're judging everybody else but themselves. I mean, one of the things I realized is the black agenda, if you will, it ain't changed. What has changed is the mindset of a people who think that, you know, you got a generation of people who woke up with a remote already in their hand and have no idea somebody had to march and fight for the right for you to be able to have a remote. And so people have to, that our consciousness had to be regained. But again, at the end of the day, people that are listening have to realize that they are the leaders they've been looking for. I mean, there's a challenge on the one level of people that have notoriety, but then again, you've got thousands of our people who sit. For instance, in Chicago, you've got over 8,000 people who filed charges of police brutality. Now, if 8,000 people filed charges of police brutality, why in the heck you can't get more than 50 people down to a march protesting police brutality? You can't just file your complaint and go sit at home and wait on justice to fall. You've got to follow that complaint with the, with the vigor all the way through, and that means marching. It means lobbying. But you just can't file. And so that's where people have to look at a lot of the movements that are engaged for black people. you got more white people running them. And, and you know, we, we, fight, we fight, fight cases of death row. Black people are the ones who get unfairly sentenced. But I'm telling you, after spending time outside of a death row case, there were more white people down there trying to save the life of unfair black people being killed unfairly than black people. So how can people who, who are impacted so much be sitting on the sidelines watching other people fight a fight for them, and they ain't in the fight? So that's well, why I'm telling your listeners, 
This is what I'm telling your listeners. It's not enough just to say, I want to see better housing. Now, if you want to see better housing, and if I tell you today on Monday, we're getting ready to march for it, and you just sit at home saying what happened, that ain't good enough. And so I'm saying to people listening, everybody has to accept a new level of challenge. And I think a lot of us in this generation woke up disconnected, and we woke up, uh, we've lost our sense of consciousness, but I'm, I'm telling you, we're just an attitude. We're just an attitude away from moving our people where they need to be. But it ain't just the agenda. It's about people. 3,000-some people can't get together on a Saturday yelling about they support a black agenda, and then by Monday morning, they're back at home as if they just went to a concert. They went to the concert. They saw the best in black entertainment, and when the show was over, they went on back home. Well, you definitely got a lot in your 37 years when you keep on going. But let me ask you this based on the the, the position of the the, the community uh, and leadership. Uh, and I kind of used this example, I think, last week when we talked about the, uh, the black cat syndrome, where the superstitions is that do not cross a black cat. And... <laughs> Then when you don't black, uh, uh, cross a black cat, most cats somewhat kind of uh, only cross your path when it's safe, and people not realizing that. Do we have that type of uh, black cat syndrome where we are, uh, we've been programmed to think that a black cat is not safe, or are we having this syndrome that getting involved is not safe? Uh, or what is it that can ignite? You did indicate that, you know, something can be on the horizon, but is it the leadership waiting for the people or the people waiting for the leadership? Well, I think, number one, that that, that part of our, our, our leadership, uh, if you will, is disconnected from each other. And they're so busy resolving and being successful at their own individual thing. Can you give me an example of who that leadership you're referring to? Well, I mean, when you go across the board, for instance, we're dealing with Chicago violence right now in the city. Now, everybody says we want to stop the violence. Everybody says, what can we do? And so I'm saying if everybody says that, then if I, for instance, say to to the people that that might be for a gun lobby, matter of fact, good example, I was talking to Ronald Holt today, the father of Blair Holt, who was killed in Chicago. Uh, uh, Ronald Holt and, and others in his, in his uh, 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 leadership crew have been 101% active in, in passing new gun laws. And, they, and, and sometimes they may get up to 1,000 people who call themselves stopping the violence by their campaign to get better gun laws. And yet, if I have a march over here saying, let's turn these empty lots in Chicago uh, this summer uh, to community gardens so that young people can work, but I only got 20 people supporting my cause, and I'm trying to tell Ronald Hope today, and he want to know, well, how's your march for community gardens dealing with Chicago violence? So he didn't really say it until I spent time saying, wait a minute. While you gun laws alone, it is not going to stop the economic desperation in these streets, and it's not going to stop far too many of our people who look to this illegal element in these streets to make money, and it's not going to stop the killing. You've got to stop people from going into the illegal element. So therefore, after you get through marching for the gun laws, they come over here and bring those same thousand people that march for the gun laws to march for these empty lots to be used because 
that's going to help as well. And so just that example today of bringing us together on that common bond has to be done across the board when it comes to issues that impact the black community. Right here in Black Wall Street, we talk about the point of putting black products on the shelf. And if we call a meeting at Black Wall Street saying we want to put black products on the shelf, then we should have more than 50 to 100 people at the summit. You know, there should be thousands of people saying, I'm going to fight to put black products on the shelf, which is a good thing for all of us. If we want to put black people to work, we need more than 100 people and a couple hundred people. So I'm saying too many people are sitting and wishing on a star that things are going to get better. But as we moved on as a people, you know, we didn't get in black business wishing on a star. We got here because we marched for it. We got here because somebody died for it. We got here because we were in the game. And now you've got a generation of people who want to sit on the sideline. I say this again. Technology, for all the benefits that it has brought us as a people, it's made a lot of people lazy. People don't want to come to the meeting because they text me the messages that are coming. People don't want to march because they got on Facebook and talked a good game about it. Uh-uh. Look at every other group in this town. If banks want to get bailed out, they fought for it. If, if, if immigration leaders want better immigration policies, they got in the street and fought for it. If gays and lesbians want some better things for the gay and lesbian community, they got in the street and fought for it. But if, if Hispanics want better laws for themselves and money for themselves, they got in the street by the thousands and fought for it. Now you get to the black community. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, wait a minute. All those examples. Now you finally get to the black community. Where are the masses in the street saying, I want the same thing for me? They're too busy sitting on the sideline, texting their way through a movement and twittering their way through a movement, but they're not getting involved in the direct action activities that got us the success in the first place. And we're not going to text and tweet our way out of this. People got to get back in the streets and demand and fight for what we got the same way we did to get us here. There is a scenario as it relates to, as you know, in in the Black Wall Street agenda, speaking about the uh, what Chicago is going to look like in the year 2040, and the same can be identified with other cities across the uh, across the country based on their 10 and 20 year plan of what the city is going to look like. Given that the city planners are in the process of doing just that and even implementing that, as um, one of our, uh, Stephanie Gatlin put it, that the the tragedy that happened to public housing people here in Chicago it is a shame on the leadership letting this happen. Uh, what I'm getting to is that as the city across the country are planning their urban development and what they want their cities to look like. And as many blacks are not involved and many blacks around the country are at the same level, whether it's Atlanta, New York, Oakland, Los Angeles, San Diego, uh, even Gary, Indiana, are all on the same level can you uh, uh, view this here as a a conspiracy based on a lack of information or a a structure that's in place whereby many people wonder what happens to a leader once they become a elected official that that grassroots is is gone. Does something happen to people when they get involved in the system 
that nationally we have we all have the same identical problems as it relates to unemployment, lack of business, education. The issues are somatically all across the country. So, and as you indicate what other groups are doing, could it be a Willie Lynch syndrome or a conspiracy over black people that's making it hard for leadership to engage? I think that, 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 that one of the things I can look back on, being a young person coming up in the movement, there was not really a, a structured uh, a vehicle of ensuring that there were a new generation of people following uh, 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 in the footsteps of those ahead of them. Uh, when you go into some of our ethnic community stores, uh, you see children watching how mommy and daddy run that store. And you watching those children learning how to run that operation, and they and and they move up, and and, and continue that legacy. And 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 then when it comes to a lot of black business, you know, we moved and got successful, but we really didn't build a foundation because what you've seen is you've seen a lot of second generation children of some of our major black business leaders who grew up saying, "I don't want to do what mom and daddy did. I don't want to do that any other." And and so all the fighting that we did to build up. Those black business legacies, doggone it, we lost it because another generation just sold it away. Because even though they, even though they saw the money that was made and the benefits symbolically that was made, they didn't have the same sense of social consciousness to somebody like myself who felt violated to march to have my life threatened to build up these black businesses. And here come another generation who just sold it away, and I'm like, I'd be damned. I mean, and so it's just a thing. Whereas we've got to go back and reclaim the mindset, not just of our people but the mindset of the people that are leading our people because a lot of us have gotten to Negro amnesia. One of the things that Reverend Shopton was telling some people that, 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 that I admired, there were some very professional people who was telling people like Reverend Shopton, I don't owe you nothing. You know, I fought for what I got. I went to school. I paid my bills. I got good grades. I've earned the right to have this job at this corporation. And Reverend Shopton said, you must have some kind of Negro amnesia. You don't see the connection to how somebody had to be forced to even look at your resume. Your resume meant nothing to these corporations until people in the streets marched on them and demanded that they give your recommendations and consideration. So just those kind of current examples shows you that something is wrong with the state of mind when it comes to benefactors of, of, of a movement and those who actually participate in that movement. And so what we part of what our challenge is today is to rebuild that sense of consciousness because if your mind ain't made up that I got to make a stand, then you're not going to make one. And so, well, then so, as, much, so as much as we do at the leadership level, there's a lot to do regaining the consciousness of our people who are just sitting back watching what's happening, wondering what's happening, but they're not actually out there making things happen, and that's part of our challenge again. Well, uh, Mark, we're going to uh, take a break right now, and we're going to return and get more into uh, black leadership. Is it enough? And um, just stay right with us, and then we're going to also take a call or two at the same time, okay? Thank you so much. We're going to ready for it. Thank you. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. We're on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Blog Talk Radio. Our host is Chicago activist, Mr. Mark Allen. You know what, Mark? 
Huh? I'm a fan. I'm a fan now. I'm a fan. <laughs> Man, I have not heard you break it down, Mark, before. I'm a fan, Mark. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Very good. Now, get rid of now we're going to do these shows. We're going to do them, and we're going to do them until they listen. And I'm, I want to I wanna, uh, share something with you because I'm out here promoting the show and trying to put the information out there. Uh, the topic you know, on uh, black leadership, can we do better? Uh, I want to tell you, when you, when you speak about our lack of consciousness, when you speak about our unappreciation of what has happened before us, and I'm looking at Facebook, and the uh, comment is, would you rent videos from YouTube? How many comments and replies to that? Let's say, say that one more time. The, the response to what now? And they, the question was, Will you rent videos from YouTube? It's posted. And now, how many comments? Seventy. Will I rent video? I'll just give you an example of a comment on Facebook. And the fact is, it received 72 replies. You understand what I'm saying? That's <laughs> right. a lack of social consciousness. As a matter of fact, that's unconscious. I was just replying to... Your, I got uh, you. And yet, if I, and yet if we say, will you join us for the march on Monday? Oh, yeah, good luck. And that's right. That's why, I'm bringing, that's why I'm bringing that to the table. 72 comments. People had that kind of time and mindset. That's what's wrong with us. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. We're on the air every Thursday evening once again. Our calling number is 347-326-9477. If you could share your state of mind with us, 347-326-9477. If you could share your true feelings with us, our number is 347-326-9477. If you got a thought about the, uh, our black leadership, can you share that with us? The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one if you would like to speak to one of our guests. We're going to go uh, to a break, and we're going to be right back with our guest, Mr. Mark Allen, and our host, Ron Carter. Thank you so much. A successful special event can be very challenging and stressful at times. Our staff of professionals organizes your event down to every last detail, no matter what size your special event may be. Our creativity and attention to detail turns your ordinary party into an extraordinary event. At Andy Clyde's, world-class service for our clients is standard. We can provide travel arrangements, accommodations, event sites, caterers, florists, photographers, transportation, hairstylists, and makeup artists, favors, daily plans for guests, and pre-event information such as detailed maps, save-the-date cards, and invitations. Being a custom event planner means that we cater to you. We are not locked in by guidelines passed down by corporate. It is our job to find the best possible way to present your event. We have been referred to as dream weavers because we listen to what you want and get it done. Our specialties are the vacation packages. Visit our website at www.ndclides.net to see examples of what sets our services above others. And remember, at Andy Clides, we are your
some great that's some great music right there from Celia Frederick. She's a inspiration and a great entertainer. She's hosting her annual Hat and Glove Inspiration Breakfast Saturday, April 24th, over at the Power Circle Center, 9350 South Chicago Avenue. That's April 24th this Saturday. You can give her a call at 773-616-4297, 773-616-4297. Four two nine seven for tickets. If you listen to Black Wall Street USA with Mr. Ron Carter, our host, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and I'm Sonia Purdue, the host for this segment. So sorry, we are not discussing YouTube today. The topic, Black leadership, is this the best that we can do? And I'm gonna put a, I'm gonna put another comment out there. And we expect them to do better, people. We've got to do better. Let's bring our host back, Mr. Ron Carter, and I guess Mr. Mark Allen. Ron, what we're gonna do? We got a caller on the line. Uh, last four digits nine one three five. We're gonna go to that caller. Caller out of area code seven zero eight. You're on the line right now. Please state your name and your comment. I'm Darius Randall, uh, Illinois candidate for the House of Representatives, and uh, I am indeed elated and honored to be a part of this conversation tonight. Welcome, Daniel. Uh, uh, Darius Randall, uh, and uh, I am I am elated, uh, but most importantly, uh, black black leadership indeed is a, a time uh, for us to stand up. And um, this us that I was speaking about, I I cannot speak for the generation that has come before me, but I could definitely uh, speak for my generation, that 21 through 35 generation, which I like to put a tag on the uh, name of this generation and call it the Joshua generation. And I always speak about them standing up and working on my new book called The Joshua Generation. But leadership, leaders are made every day. Leaders are all around us, but we just, like like a lot of people refuse to just step out into that leadership role. A lot of people are pew sitters, mainly with the uh, the Christian church, you know, and the uh, Church of Jesus Christ and those who uh, go to church. A lot of them um, I'm uh, speaking to, a lot of them, that, that have that power, that, that inspiration, that uh, drive to lead, but don't refuse to, uh, I mean, don't choose to lead, you know, and it indeed is a, it is a, it is a uh, dying breed. I get a lot of heat and a lot of uh, criticism for what I'm trying to do and I'm tr- trying to run for office as a 24-year-old uh, young black man. I don't have... Uh, You're 24? 24 years old, don't have uh, a job, don't have the finances to do it, don't have political connections. Well, people always speak down and always try to criticize and tear down, but the fact is what I'm doing is I'm available. I'm making myself available and I'm answering the call. I'm not looking. What uh, prompts you to take this uh, role? Well, what 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 prompted me to take the role is the time. And I uh, piggyback on Dr. King's uh, speech beyond Vietnam. He said uh, in the in the beginning uh, passages of the speech, he says because my uh, the time leaves me no choice. My spirit and the uh, the time of the day leaves me no choice. And 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 that's what really relates to me and what I saw. When I see kids dying on our street, when I see 40 children shot in one night, when I see so many people unemployed without a job, when I see our schools, uh, uh, services being cut and programs being cut, it's time for me to stop sitting back and, and, and stop criticizing using Facebook, you know, making wonderful, beautiful statuses. That's fine, but 
What am I doing to make it better? What am I doing? Am let, I going to let, let me back? ask you this here, um, uh, Darius. Uh, if you can identify with a particular leader that fits your Joshua um, uh, uh, generation, who would you identify? Uh, I will most definitely identify with uh, Pastor Charles Jenkins from uh, Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, and and I would say uh, Pastor Charles Jenkins because, um, first of all, he's a young pastor over there at Fellowship, and, and um, he's uh, he has been there for a little over 11 years. And, uh, he uh, came in uh, pastoring when he was my age. And uh, I can identify with him because the work he's done, you know, not to take any discredit away from Reverend Clay Evans, because he's definitely legendary and, uh, and definitely uh, has done and laid the groundwork and the framework. But what Charles Jenkins has done, adding over 8,000 members to his uh, congregation and all of the things he does in the community, it's, it's, it's amazing to see that uh, from Aspire and also acquire the, uh, Joshua's troops you know, here in the city, uh, who is also doing great work. That's a guy I can most definitely relate to. And uh, Well, let me uh, ask uh, Mark this as it relates to your point of being the Joshua uh, generation. Uh, even to, for me, uh, at um, 57 years old and uh, 20 years ago, um, a minister told me that I was the Joshua generation. And then Mark is uh, a few younger than me, and that uh, I think that he was called the uh, Joshua generation. And now you stated that you're the Joshua generation. Who is the, what happened to my generation, what happened to my generation, and even to the point now we're talking about your generation, um, how do if someone can help me out based on who is the true generation and is your generation uh uh is is going to be the true Joshua generation so i don't know if mark or uh Darius, can you all help me out on that well let me let me say this one i appreciate brother Darius calling and and, he, and and i appreciate his spirit because i went through those same challenges as a 24 25 year old and 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 people that wouldn't accept you but you stand up you fight and you learn uh but but one of the things i don't like to get involved in so deep when you get into this religious piece is because one uh you, you've got to study theology to the point of asking when we when we throw out these symbols did joshua actually get us through i mean what role did joshua play in terms of waking up the people but if we say Joshua generation, then at some point, if we're going to keep following theology, let's go and actually see, did Joshua get us to the promised land? And if he didn't, then we've got to take our theology one step further, because if Joshua only got us to a certain point, but never actually to that destination, then we've got to go back and find out what part of the theology are we missing, because we've just identified through three generations, if Ron Carter to Mark Allen to young Darius. If all three of us at, our, at one point have been Joshua's, and we're still at this situation of today, with all of this Joshua generation, and still living in the murder capital of the world, then I'm telling you that we've got to look and see who got us past Joshua. Because if all of us are still stuck at Joshua, then we've got to figure out who got us to the next level where we got to go. Because one of the things is, 
if everybody who called themselves Christian actually got up every day and did Christian things like feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and look out for the least of God's people, then I'm telling you, doggone it, we would not be in the condition that we're in, so it's not enough, even in the church. You got 8,000 new members, and you still got 50 people at the protest meeting. If you got 1,000 more people singing, you still ain't got 1,000 people swinging if they got two and marching. So I applaud all the ministers and the churches, but we got to get out of this, 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 this uh, entertainment theology where thousands of people can say, I go to church, but thousands of people can't say, I'm walking the walk. You know, we talk it, but you ain't walking it. So we've got to move to the next level. Is that the best we can do is pack the pews? Or do we got to do one step further and pack these streets? And that's but, what I'm uh, talking da, about. Uh, Dasha, uh, Darius, let me ask you this here. Uh, based on the generation that you're at, um, and then again, looking at my generation and the generation that's um, uh, uh, after me, and then even the generation before me, and looking at the present young generation, I will come to the uh, analysis and assessment that your particular generation is the worst that we have ever been. Uh, taken for example, my generation was the 60s, where I was uh, at 24, uh, or so we were part of the Black Panther Party. And so we had a, a a clear definition where being the Black Panther Party was being hip, mm -hmm. and the generation that you are in being a hip hopper is being hip. How do you assess uh, where your generation at? And and if I can use the term, catch up with my generation of youth that were wearing black tams and saying black power opposed to your generation have no identity with black power, but where's the money? Is that making your job and your leadership position harder as you run? Because it'd probably be a lot easier for my generation to talk black power than your generation, or am I off base there? How do you assess that? Well, well uh, one thing that you, uh, like indeed, point out, and I applaud uh, the comment that Mark made about uh, the, the church uh, uh, doing so much uh, entertaining and, and not enough information, and I and I thank God that I go to a church, uh, Trinity United Church of Christ, where we are very uh, social, uh, socially Trinity involved. Trinity Methodist? Trinity United Church of Christ. Uh, yeah, the same church I go to. Uh, Pastor uh, Moss is now our pastor. Uh, that is very out uh, and uh, going church and uh, very involved in uh, different various movements. Uh, we were just in Springfield uh, on yesterday. Uh, we took a busload of seniors uh, down to Springfield, and we uh, was uh, like a part of that 15,000 uh, parents, you know, uh, down to Springfield rallying for rallying against these budget cuts. So indeed, uh, to to uh, speak to the young generation, the hip hop generation. Uh, my pastor also wrote a book called The Gospel Remix, Reaching the Hip-Hop Generation. And uh, also uh, to place a uh, parallel to that, uh, me, me, me running for office and reaching those uh, young people, I have to go and, re and um, reach them where they are. Like I'm not going to be able to get them all to come to a church, get them all to come out to a political action meeting, get them to all come out to uh, uh, this or that. But I can bring a political action committee to them. 
one of my many ideas I've uh, partnered on is is uh, going to the clubs and doing a half uh, club night or you know the different uh, nights that these uh, clubs uh, host college night or juke night. I I get five to to ten invites to come to a party, but when I send an invite to come out and to my political uh, meetings, you know they don't want to show. So what what I came up with the idea is that I could I bring it to them, you know, and that's where our young people at. We have to be careful in how we approach them because they they can be teachable and they would like to listen. But are you going to sing or speak their language? Uh, right. See, the, one thing about well, the Black Panthers, one thing about the Black right. Panthers, what they did, they was very militant in their efforts. They did not agree with uh, the different things Dr. King was doing. They didn't, they didn't agree with nonviolent movement. You know, they uh, and uh, like you stop being correct. Well, again, that's wrong. not necessarily uh, that's not necessarily true. They did agree. They did. Uh, uh, agree with nonviolence. They just did not. They just said, "If you hit me, I'm gonna hit you back." What they did is, they were a nonviolent group. <laughs> right, right. Yes, that's what I mean. Is they carry rifles and they carried uh, different weapons. Am I correct? Right. They did it. They, uh, well, they yeah, them. but uh, the guns were not. Uh, violence was not the platform of the Black Panther Party. Uh, okay. They would. And let me say something too. You got to remember. See, people look at the end result and don't see how we got there. People, Fred Hampton, Mark Clark, Bobby Seale, the Black Panthers themselves did not wake up one day and say, "Let's get us an armed guard." The Black Panthers was the black. That was a Black Panther defense uh, piece, right. meaning right. that they didn't wake up saying, "Let's go on the offensive." They were under attack, and they took on the role of saying, "The Black Panthers are going to start a what? A defense committee." And if right. people are shooting. At us, then we got to be prepared to shoot back. And see, that's what happens is they look up. See, you get one part of the story when they say, look at the Panthers, send power to the people with these guns. But they never told you why they had to go get the guns in the first place. We didn't go out saying we were going to attack nobody. We were defending ourselves, and people were upset. And they twist history when they make it seem like the Panthers was on some power patrol and had to have an armed uh, uh, army to get people in power with. No, they were telling people, if we are under attack, then the Panthers better start a defense committee to defend ourselves from attack. And so right. the Panthers, okay. unfortunately, get a, get a, get a, get a uh, we, people, they get history rewritten on them because you take it some, it's, it's like when they with Malcolm X saying, by any means necessary, they show me the gun in his hand. That picture was taken with a man holding the gun because somebody was bombing his house. Right. Well, let's go to another caller, if we can, uh, Sonia. Yes, we can. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. Darius, we want to thank you for joining us. Do me one favor and tell yes, us what ward you're running in. Well, I'm running in the 29th district, uh, so uh, I unfortunately don't uh, sit over a ward when I was sitting over a ward, but the 29th district is uh, South Carolina. Darius, do give us a call at the office, uh, 312-624-8351. We'd like to stay on the line. Uh, don't go nowhere. Okay. But give us a call at the office so that we can uh, network with you. Okay. Uh, Sonia, we have another caller? Yes, we do. A uh, caller from Chicago on uh, last four digits, 6249. I think they got tired of raising their hand. Let's go and see if they still have a comment. Welcome to Black Wall Street USA. 
You on the air? Yes, good evening, good evening. Uh, Good evening. How are you? Okay, how are you, Monica? Oh, blessed, blessed. I'm listening to young brother Darius. I pray that he stayed on the line because uh, the issue I have with this generation is the fact that they don't know their history. And the issue I have with our leadership is that, uh, speaking from a woman who is 45 years old, I was considered strange as a youth because I had uh, a grandfather with a third, fourth grade education from the deep prejudiced South who taught us, those of us who wanted to learn. And once the seed was planted, it was hard for me to accept anything less than who my grandfather told me I was. And with that being said, we were always taught to use our ears and our eyes. And so with that, you have four multiplied by one, your mouth. Once it's closed, you can see and you can hear. And you can see what is not being said while they're talking, meaning they will tell you your history if you learn to close your mouth and listen. Not being insulting, but this generation has been fighting for their life as they were coming into the world, we can say from the womb. So I go back to our, our, our leaders when I say that the issue I, I, was, I came in on, um, I believe Ron was speaking on uh, a comment that Al Sharpton made uh, about people uh, reaching corporate America and saying they that earned the right. That was Mark. Okay, I'm, forgive me. Uh, to earn the right to be there. And what I had come to understand before I became a parent is that a generation got lost because a generation was not taught the struggle. And with that, I mean, we rose to another level, but we gave what we didn't have, and we raised up a generation with a spirit of entitlement. And when we raised up that generation with that spirit of entitlement, they gave birth to this hot mess that we have right here. This generation of the teens are the ramifications of the crack babies, directly or indirectly. In the urban Well, who would you call, who would you identify, uh, Monica, is that correct? Mark? No, no. Is, uh, is that, is that no, uh, Monica, is no, you, Arnie, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you who would you identify as a, a leader? Are you saying Mark? Yes, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling the the knowledge that he's producing because see this is this is what this generation needs. You you it's okay for correction, and it's okay for them to receive correction, but they have to understand that they need correction, and they want it. They they are hungry. This generation is really, really hungry for discipline and guidance. If you know nothing but anger, if you know nothing but rage, if you look at your leaders, uh, I, I, I don't want to say the school because there's so much attached to it, but I was in one of the schools doing one of my programs with a, with a, a group of girls, and they started calling some of the so-called mentors that were coming into the school poverty pimps. And they had come to the conclusion that you're only coming here. Okay, so all I want is what you're going to bring to the table. Yeah, I'm going to come listen, but where the food, where my trinkets, you know, that whole spirit of entitlement. And so many times people have uh, written out an agenda 
for this generation. And this generation is not as dumb as people think they are, because if they were, they would all have been dead. They've been pretty much raising. Well, raising there is a program now that the um, uh, that the city of Chicago uh, police department has indicated that they're getting ready to. Uh, move in on quote unquote gains this summer, and um, as identified with any trouble among youth, they are identified as gains. So we definitely have to be careful about the symbolism that mm-hmm. the uh, city of Chicago and the police department associate with our youth. Uh, uh, hold on, uh, we want to go to another caller if we if we can, uh, Sonia. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA, and we're on the line with Ron Carter, our host for this evening, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Our guest this evening is Mark Allen, who has 30 years as a community activist here in Chicago. Uh, Caller in the 309 area code, we want to thank you so much, so much for your patience, and uh, we're going to bring the other callers on in a moment. Welcome to the show. Area code 309? Hello? Okay, let's go to the other caller. Uh, Area code 312. Area code 312. Last four digits, 2230. Welcome to Black Wall Street, USA. Hello, sir. Wait a minute. Let me do it again. Yes? Okay. How you doing, sir? Uh, Your name and where you from? Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you, my brother. This this is Elijah Farrakhan Mafuso. Um, some of you might formerly know me by my slave name, uh, Mark Stevenson. And oh yes, how you doing, sir? Oh, you do, oh, you, <laughs> you changed. <laughs> when did that happen? Or you all you always had it, but did not tell us. No, I. Um, I this is this is a, a recent thing that has um, has has happened for me. I've been so blessed. To have, uh, have have been renamed Elijah Farrakhan Mafuso, as my father had had wished me to be named many years ago, but I but I want to thank you all for coming together. I, I've been been listening and 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 I learned an awful lot uh, about all of the messages that you all have delivered, and and I I bring you a message of hope, as I have myself been in been a been a, a teacher in the Chicago public school systems, and I lived a life uh, of, of despair many years. But, you know, I have to tell you, I read an article in the Chicago Tribune, and, and it was talking about our youth of the day. And it was, it was saying how this is the generation that's going to take us into our future. This is the generation that, uh, that may have to fight our wars in the future, and they're going to be the ones responsible for the growth of our country and how much trouble we're in. And we don't have a chance to be able to make it, to be able to compete globally in a global economy uh, against all of the other countries. How could we possibly hope to survive? And it went on and on talking about all of the dismay and the, the, the lack of respect for elders and on and on. And at the very end of the article, it said that it was a reprint from 1918 Chicago Tribune. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, just, it just gave me all the hope in the world because I do believe that our generation today has many challenges. But I do believe that our, our young generation today 
has the greatest amount of strength in our history and the history. What of age are you referring to regarding the generation of today? Well, I'm talking about the young people of today. They are indeed, as the young lady was saying, seeking leadership. They are seeking discipline. They are seeking guidance in a way that they've never done it before. It's us as the elders who have dropped the ball. Can you identify a particular um, leadership that uh, can assist in bringing that younger generation leadership to, to surface? Well, of course I can. I, you know, I, I, I'm being being a member of the Nation of Islam. I, I can only speak to the facts that I have seen with my own eyes. The transformation of drug dealers, the transformation of, of dope addicts, people who have lost hope, people who, who, in the past, we think that they cannot make a serious contribution to life, who are seeking guidance. I have seen with my own eyes the FOI take these young men, that's the fruit of Islam, have taken these young men under their wings and, and guided them to be able to reach the next levels in their life and embracing them with not just one or two so-called part-time mentors, but I'm talking about layers and layers and layers of elders who are playing the mentorship role to show them that they can reach the other levels in their lives. And, and this is the only system, this is the only system that has impressed me enough to give my life in, in return for being just a part, just to be a part of the Nation of Islam. I'm, I'm so humbled and so honored to be a part of the Nation of Islam because Hi, Vanessa. after... Thomas, can't come to the after, phone right now. Please leave a message. Hello? After, yes. After, hello? Yes. After, yeah, after, go ahead, sir. After okay. Being, in in these in, in the Church of Christ and, and other churches and I don't want to call out anybody and say any anything negative about other churches, but our ministers for the most part have just failed miserably, just totally miserably at actually getting out of the pulpit and getting into the trenches and, and that's what the nation of Islam is doing. Okay, uh, uh, Mark, well, uh, you know, Mark, uh, Alec, can you uh, want to give a comment, and then we want to move on to another sure. uh, caller? I appreciate the caller, and but let me just say this. One of the things that we've lost is our collective spirit. I mentioned earlier, everybody, when it, comes to le when it comes to leadership challenges, everybody does what? They get on the defensive and defend, well, here's what I've done. So you get Leader A that says, I saved 50 people and we're rolling. Leader B says, I saved 100 and we're moving. But at the end of the day, this is what I'm trying to tell you. With the power of a minister Farrakhan in Chicago, what he's supposed to represent, a Jesse Jackson, all this power. So in the midst of all that you're doing, how in the hell are we still living in the murder capital of the world? What the heck are we not doing that, that says that despite all your power and successes, and I'm going to tell you one reason why, because one of the things we came up with during the 70s was, if I could just help one somebody, I'd have done something. Well, I've come to find out that ain't good enough. Because you saved one and you lost 99. I'd rather get the 99 than miss one. And see, and, and so, but, but when we came up with that mentality of, if I could just help one somebody, I'd have done it. Well, you know what? That wasn't good enough. Because every time we helped that one, we left another 99 behind. And now we got two or three generations of the 99 lost that they out there developing an economy and, 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 and a ministry and, and, and a life depth environment of their own. Because we, on the end, like I told Mr. Farrakhan on, on, on WVO a few weeks ago, that, do you know, man, it's been 20 years? 
since the minister identified me as a young leader worth talking to, and he invited me to his house as a young leader with Lou Palmer and others, and I say, Minister, guess what? Why did it take 20 years for you to invite me back? What happened between the first meeting 20 years ago, I appreciate you, brother, to 20 years later, we never, ever met again. There was some kind of disconnect, meaning, and, 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 and so that goes across the board. And I'm just simply saying we got to get out of what all the individual successes are because we've been there, done that. You know, and we've isolated ourselves to this point that with all the genius that the, the Nation of Islam represents today, their restaurant on 7 Ivan Hall said it's closed because not enough of us went and supported it. And so, and, and Reverend Jackson is successful over here, but not enough, but, but we're not, not supporting it. So the masses of our people are looking up saying, despite your individual success, the masses of us ain't getting a doggone thing. So that's why the number one employer of young black youth today are the gang, drug, and illegal street economies, because despite your talk, here's how I'm eating. So when the minister gets to uh, talk to another caller and um, move on. Uh, yes, yeah, so Sonia, we have another caller. You know, from the Black Wall Street USA. We're going to see if caller 309 is on the air, um, if they came back to the line and give them an opportunity. Area code 309, are you on the air? I mean, are you on the line? Now? Yes, I'm on the air. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. And your name and where you're from? Jan Lindsay, Peoria, Illinois. Member of the Black Wall. Hello, everyone. Hello. I just wanted to uh, chime in this evening, and and because the topic is hot, you know, um, if we're looking for anything to turn around, and this is just my personal opinion, for anything to turn around at this point in time, is man is going to have to fall on his face and before go before God. That goes across the board. That goes for the the Muslims, the Baptists, the Apostolic, any denomination that is out there across the land, because we have an epidemic, and it's bad. I mean, it's to the point where we can't find our 18-year-old to 28-year-olds, even in the church. And and as uh, Mr. Allen just stated very eloquently, the number one unemployment for that particular group of people is drugs, violence in the streets. And the only way that we're going to be able to Eliminate the process or the problem is go before the man who created us and ask him for an answer because we are failing to. If I can inject this question, and then I'm just going to kind of go back to the one of the examples or two of the examples we spoke earlier uh, based on how the Black Panther Party uh, involved in its position and also how the black political movement in Chicago, how it involved with uh, Harold Washington, and that was because of the issues that was put upon, even to the point of we have to look at Dr. King, it was the racism that was so uh, 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 blunt to the people that it wasn't necessarily the leadership that uh, led the people to the movement, but the people felt a need to do something. So is the the leadership versus the movement of the people, is it a matter of leadership waiting for the, the, the people to say lead us, or is it for the leadership to try to ignite the people? 
Well, I, I think again, you, you've got you've got a level of leadership who've been conditioned to be satisfied with saving the one. Go to go look at all these brochures. They're all on helping somebody, but somebody got to speak truth to those powerful people that it ain't good enough. This is not the this is not the best that can be done. Because but right now, be, what can happen? What, what let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I'm gonna tell you exactly what these have. One, again, people that are listening got to tie into something, or like we're trying to do with Black Wall Street and others regarding lifting them up. But we can't lift them up by ourselves. People that want to get help got to get help. But we're in such a desperate economic situation that whatever issue you're talking about, my friend, if they don't at the same time help me resolve my immediate financial crisis, I don't have time for you because I've got to eat in the morning. And so what, what we're missing is, is that, and that's what the gang, drug, and the legal economy provide. I talked to a young man yesterday, just got out of jail. He's on the corner. He said, brother, I got home. Now don't tell me not to sell these loose cigarettes. I said, well, brother, why? I mean, that's the only way I'm going to stay in this hotel. I got, a, I got a link card. I got some food. But why am I taking it? Why am I laying my head down? And so you might tell me about some pie in the sky dream about where I can be in a week from now, but you have not answered how I'm going to make any money to pay for my room tonight. And so therefore, whatever economy that is solving that issue is where that brother is going to lead. And I'm saying, and back in the 60s and 70s, people saw themselves in it because the movement meant I'm opening up black businesses for you to get a job. The movement is I'm protesting that company to get you some work. And right now is too many of our young people's dreams have been busted because too many of the elder leaders are too busy satisfying one generation of folk and the handful of others that keep them looking good, while, again, at the end of the day, the masses of our people in Chicago and urban cities around the country are making their money and living from the illegal economy that resolves their issue today and not from what needs to happen down the road. And so that's why I'm simply saying leadership needs to wake up collectively and go back and start providing, stop getting out of this paralysis of analysis. If we stop analyzing what the hell are doing, just go do it, then we would catch the attention of our young people. Young people look up and see other ethnic groups. They fight for small business and they open. They fight for jobs and they get them. Then they look up and black leaders are still analyzing what the hell to do. And people well, are not going to follow going back that. To the question, uh, going back to the question of the show, black leadership, and I'd like to also just ask the callers that we have on the line, and if you can just give a quick uh, reply. Black leadership, can we do better? We can, we can do better. We can do better. Uh, and like indeed, I'm Darius Randall again, 24 years old, south, uh, south of Chicago. We can do better, and because uh, because we have no other choice. Because uh, like indeed, King made the choice in uh, dying for. His people, like indeed getting 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 shot, you know, down in 1968. From that death on to his uh, uh, legacy that lives on today, still there's there's uh, young people my age that like I always ask them like about Dr. King, and they can't tell me much about him because one thing here in Illinois, Black history is not mandated in these um, high schools upon graduation. They can mandate U.S. history. You can know about Abraham Lincoln. You can know about uh, uh, Frederick, uh, like I mean, uh, George Washington. You can know about Thomas right. Jefferson, but you don't know about Frederick Douglass, W.E.B. Du Bois. You don't, you don't know about Maya Angelou. Even with Dorothy Height, I was, you know, Dorothy Height just passed away this week. So, but is I'm that the Dorothy fault Hyde. of leadership, or is right. that the fault of the education system? 
I believe it's the fault of the education system. But, like, again, leadership, even from Mark's position and even from your position, even from Sonja's, I mean, Sonja's position and from the other um, uh, callers who are older than me and uh, wiser than me, you know, like in their elder generation, speaking down, reaching down to young people as leaders already positioned at a spot of, of uh, teaching, teach them the way. Even, um, you know, you see a young man passing him along, uh, do, do not uh, let him pass uh, by you without engaging him in conversation. Because okay, one, next caller, uh, uh, can, can I get that uh, question again uh, to the other caller we have on the line? Black leadership, can we do better? Is that yes, uh, Jan? Mm-hmm. Yes, Black we lead- can. Mm-hmm. We how can, how can we do better? We, uh, first of all, we need to, to evaluate we, I guess an assessment and evaluation of the situation is prevalent. I mean, it's obvious. What a, plan, a plan needs to be developed on steps to take in order to consummate all of this mess that we've got separated among ourselves as a but people. Is that because per, as Mark we, say, is that a, how you put it, Mark, the analysis and analysis? Is, it is, is but again, again, again there, there is no difference in today's black agenda than it was in 1968. The fact of the matter is those people who called themselves organizers got into positions of power themselves and stopped organizing. One of the most frustrating things is that some of the very people who used to be activists Fighting the system, end up becoming the system, and now they're explaining to people. Like who? Well, you, you, a lot of you, a lot of our congressmen and 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 all of them and state reps used to be like activists. Yeah, so you name them. You name them. Really, uh, uh, Bobby Rush was a Bobby Rush was a Black Panther who's now in Congress, but now Bobby Rush is a congressman. Now has to come back and explain, even as congressman, your district's still dying. Jesse Jackson Jr. is an activist. Danny Davis is an activist. Dorothy Tillman was an activist. Minister Farrakhan was an activist. Jesse Jackson was an activist. Everybody was a damn activist. And all I'm simply saying is, at some point, you got to a level of getting so caught up, and you moved up a notch, but we never protected the base. And so now you have now become the problem that you used to complain about. And I'm saying that that goes for a lot of us. And all I'm simply saying is today, people have to, one, make up their minds. So even as we challenge leadership, like I said, coming out of these summits, it don't make a bit of difference if black leadership says, I'm going to unite around something. If you still got people who want to sit at home and think they're going to text and tweet and Facebook and Blackberry their way through a movement that requires not education, we become educated nuts. We're so, edu- we got, we're so educated, we forgot our doggone common sense. And too many of us as a people, black power movement, people who didn't have no degrees, led us to where we are today, and now all this education, and we got to, and we still live in the murder capital of the world. We, with all this education, and every one of these black summits that we have, we would never have them if it wasn't white corporate money paying for them. So once again, where the, where the black dollars at for the people we march for? They're sitting up there watching us die while we march for them to be rich. See, part of this is if white corporate America decided, if white corporate America decided we weren't going to have another meeting, we wouldn't be talking now. So we got a lot of waking up to do, not just from leadership, but people who sit back and watch things happen and wonder what happened, but they're not involved in making things happen. So while we shape up on the leadership, there's people who got to get there off their butts and get in the game. Other than that, you are just much part of the problem as the leadership. Uh, Sonia, can you imagine uh, Mark Allen and Michael Carter on the same show? 
I'm looking forward to it. Let me book it right now. Right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so, so Jan, as you indicated, to do an evaluation of leadership, and then from that evaluation of leadership, how would that lead us to do better? Make them. The people need to stand up and make leadership do better. Okay. Uh, we voted for them. We put them in those positions, and we can vote them out. We need some thirsty folks that want to see change. So okay, we have another caller that uh, would like to make a comment on can we do better, and if we can, how? I think that was all, I think that was all the current callers that we have still on the line. Oh, okay. I think they made a final comment. Mm-hmm. So that, even as we uh, ask the question of uh, black leadership, uh, can we do better? And as everyone indicate, yes, we can do better. And we did uh, speak about what leadership should do and what the community should do. And as we spoke about the generations of which each of them have uh, have to do and what they have not done, and as the the the, the surrounding communities are still planning, taking for example on one of our earlier shows on the Chicago Black Business Network, one particular guest, Guy Williams made uh, the assessment that the black, uh, the black uh, consumer or the black person have a net value of approx- approximately about $16, whereby a white uh, net excess uh, worth, um, net worth, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, assets worth is about $86. And they ended, and Mr. Williams indicated that the black community net worth will never equal the net worth of a white at $89 opposed to $16 for a black. And he stated that for the most part, blacks never will be in parity with the net worth with a, uh, with a white. Do leadership as we do an assessment and a measurement, I think is what uh, Mark indicate. How do we measure our our uh, our growth? How do we measure what we have done? Is that an indication of where we, how much work we have to do, or is that a measurement based on Mr. Williams that we would never be in parity and equal? Two whites. Well, let me tell you something. One is people got to realize one is that a good white, measurement? But everything we do, Ron, starts with our state of mind. See, if I don't believe that I see me listening to what the heck you talk about in the first place, then your analysis means nothing to me until you break it down to the point of are you prepared today? Now look at these CTA cuts. Do you realize when the bus companies back in the 60s violated black people, black people said, the hell with you, we ain't riding. Can you imagine the day with all the CTA cuts if a leader says today, stop riding the bus? Man, are you crazy? I mean, so I'm simply saying we got a mind problem when it comes to white people would not be rich white people if it wasn't for poor black people spending money with the people making them rich. But when black people start thinking again about the power that they got with their own money and their own minds, 
then they can see themselves in it. But right now, we're talking above the street level. And so all I'm simply saying is we got to go back and pick up our people in the streets where they are and, 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 and show them where they fit in. But right now, too many people are tweeting and texting. You know, so I got 5,000, 6,000 friends on Facebook, and everybody well, got an opinion. Wait a minute, everybody got an opinion up until the point when I say we need some money. And I need you to come meet with me. Oh, shit. Didn't. So now, so even with people who call themselves advanced and technology, when it comes to doing what needs to be done, the people that read us on Facebook and who listen to us today, they got to make up their mind who are listening. That the next time well, we call, me, you're not going to sit at home. Well, as we kind of wrap up the show, uh, you, uh, Mark, has been uh, in communication with Reverend uh, Al uh, Sharpton and based on what his agenda of uh, implementation and measuring exactly what type of progress that we're going to make. And as he indicated that he wants to bring his uh, national agenda, kicking it off from Chicago, taking into consideration what Reverend Sharpton is proposing with his national agenda and taking in consideration what Black Wall Street is doing, what do you project where we will be within a certain time frame in addressing black leadership? Well, Reverend Shopton accepted the grassroots initiative from Chicago that we need to develop black Wall Street districts. We need to build them in Chicago and around the country. He said that on his national radio show. Reverend Shopton adopted the Chicago policy of holding black banks accountable to the money that we put into them and how it comes to the black community, even as we challenge the white corporate banks and their commitment. He's done that. So those two issues alone could turn Chicago around when it comes to redirecting the money back into the community from where it comes. But guess what? Reverend Shopton and anybody else, that agenda ain't going to mean a bit of difference if the people who need to benefit from this happening don't get their butt up from behind this computer and get in the street with us when it's time to go confront that banker and tell him to his face and speak truth to his power that here's what we demand of you, man, and here's where we see it. So again, Reverend Sharpton has adopted the well, Black Wall Street. And he, the he's, people he, to, to engage Reverend Sharpton I'm telling no, Black no, Wall Street, Reverend, or are you saying that, it, it, uh, again, are you saying that it's the people to engage Reverend Sharpton to do the right thing, or are you saying that Reverend Sharpton and the Black Wall Street need to make sure they do the right thing? So who is the weight on the people? Reverend, the Reverend Sharpton. Reverend Sharpton has done the right thing by telling the world that I'm coming to Illinois and other cities. Reverend Sharpton did the right thing by telling the world I heard the grassroots agenda from the ground on what we need to be doing in terms of access to capital and putting our poor people to work. Reverend Sharpton responded to what people told him. So the question becomes: When Sharpton comes to town. Well, the people who tweaks and text and say, here's what you need to do, brother, when he brings it to town, will you get up off the sidelines and get in the game? Because what the white man is waiting on is, are we talking wolf tickets or are we talking serious business? Hispanics and everybody else been selling not wolf tickets. They had their people in the street by the hundreds and by the thousands and black people at home texting and tweeting. And I'm simply saying, so well, people yeah, got to, wait, no, 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 hey, hear me now. Hey, let me finish my sentence. People got to get, uh, they've got to come and match their words. Now they talk the talk. 
chopped and accepted your talk. Now he's saying, I heard your talk. Now here I come to Chicago. Are you coming to walk the walk? And that means people listening, are you going to show up? Is that, again, putting the weight on Black Wall Street to engage the community, or if it's uh, putting uh, the people to hold Black Wall Street and similar organization accountable? And as you, as you answer that question, we want to wrap it up and close out the show. Well, people, you got to go back to what James Brown said back in the 60s. Are you talking loud and saying nothing? The challenge out to the people. If you shopped and accepted the agenda, it ain't on him no more. He did what you told him. And I did, and I said it before Nationwide TV. The question today, are those people sitting on the sidelines talking, are you talking loud and saying something, or are you talking loud and saying nothing? That's what people listening have to make up their minds on, because it's about to be crystal clear. Shopped and heard your call, but would you do what you got to do to bring it real? You can't shoot it from the sidelines. You got to get in the game. Get in the well, game. Man. Get right. in the game. <laughs> well, I definitely want to thank uh, Mark Allen for being on the program, and I want to thank the callers. I do want the callers to call uh, Black Wall Street office at 312-624-8351 and all those listeners out there as well so that we can actually engage in this black leadership with measurable results. Uh, Sonia, how you like it? How you how you feel? Oh, I like it. I like it. You know that, Mr. Carter. I set it up. I'm rolling it out. And this is only part one. This got to be done again. Now, mm-hmm. uh, we want to thank, once again, Mark, thank you. You know I'm a fan now. I understand why when when uh, uh, we mentioned Mark Allen this morning in the meeting, which you were not in, they would say, yeah, give me, what's the number? Where can I go? I want to listen. I understand now, Mark. I understand. I want to thank you, young man. I want to thank you so much. For thank you. Thank you so much. And I want to thank uh, the late Ben Hooks and the late Dorothy Height for allowing me to be a part of their lives. And so part of their spirit lives on in me and these words you hear me talking today. Thanks so much. God bless them. Thank you, Mark. You've been listening thank you so to Black, much. Wall, Black Wall Street USA with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Join us and touch the world. This evening, we were discussing our topic, black leadership. Is this the best that we could do? But we know that communities all over the country have the same issues and concerns. And this is only our first show on the topic, believe me. Uh, I didn't answer the question. I'm going to save it for another show. We want to thank our guest, Mr. Mark Allen, and hope that he will join us on a continuous basis. We want to thank all of our Carter callers for their support. Please pass this link on. Please continue this dialogue uh, and tune in every week for more great dialogues just like this. Friday, April 30th, for Black Wall Street Chicago's reception, we want you here. We want you here at 449 East 35th Street in Chicago. That's where we want you. Every Thursday evening, tune in to Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and myself, Sonia Perdue, and be part of the solution in sustaining and increasing black businesses. In closing, as always, in closing, persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles. And I will repeat that. Persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles. Obstacles, excuse me. Everyone have a great evening. We want to thank you for being with us. Good night all.
Many miles and a little more you'll live But how many times in your years to live you give Love, take on love and go with love. 